With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey everybody, it's the Title IX Podcast on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. I'm Steph Copley, and normally I would be joined by Elisa Woods, but as I'm sure most of you know, she just had a baby last week. And uh, understandably so, she's just not quite feeling herself yet. So we subbed Jared Stansbury in for Elisa. Hey, Jared. What's up? I'm double, double fist in the water, the Red Bull. I'm fired up. It's fired up. It's an, ready to go. It's an honor to be here. <laughs> I mean, you're here with I, us I always. Saying, I'm here all the time, but now I actually get a real microphone. You get a literal seat at the table this time. Exactly. So welcome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So before we get into it, I want to thank our sponsor, the Ivy College of Business at Iowa State. And so I was talking to Sammy Williams this week. And if you haven't seen it, did a quick little chat with her about her decision to come back uh, for her additional year of eligibility. Um, but she's actually going to graduate in May with a degree in software engineering. And then her plan is to come back and go to the Ivy College of Business at Iowa State and get uh, her master's. So, you know, everybody's doing it. Can I just say that I'm incredibly jealous of Sammy Williams for multiple different reasons. One, she's like a superstar. She is a superstar. In softball. Two, she has a software engineering degree, which means she has to be like ridiculously smart. She is. She's an academic All-American. Okay. So yeah. In software engineering. Yeah. She's no dummy. While being a division one athlete. Yeah, and a record. She's got to be like a superstar. She is a superstar. I mean, just, I, I, I don't know what her parents do, but her parents have to be ridiculous too. And I just feel like the name Sammy Williams is a BA name. Yeah. That's yeah, definitely a badass. I'll say, her I'll say it. <laughs> Let's I'll call say her Slammy Williams. <laughs> She's she's great. I'm glad I got a chance to talk to her again. But yeah, so it sounds like her plan is to be at the Ivy College of Business this summer if she can swing it. And then she wants to graduate with her master's degree next May already. So girl's a planner. She's all over it. Yeah. When she was talking about how uh, she has all of her things planned out, I was like, I feel like Steph could really relate to this. Yeah, probably. Th- <laughs> There's a chance we could be friends. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's where uh, I can imagine that you were the person who when you got the syllabus at the beginning of the year, like when I was in school, you know, you could get on Blackboard or whatever. It's like, and it would all be there already before uh, school even started. You would have been on there like two <laughs> weeks before school started looking at the syllabus uh, and writing everything into your planner. Whereas I'd get to class, they'd give me the syllabus or they'd have it up there and I'd be like, participation. Nope. All right. Well, so this might shock see you, you guys again, but if there were, you know, recommended readings to do before <laughs> I might've done them. <laughs> Maybe. I'm sure you did. That doesn't surprise and by me maybe, at all. Maybe I mean 100% absolutely did. Yeah. I didn't even do the reading like when when you it was required. Yeah. yeah. No. So Unless I absolutely had to. One of the things that's been Okay. <laughs> this is not one of the worst things about this pandemic, but it's an annoyance is that I've had to cross a lot of things out in my planner for like the entire month of April it was just canceled. <laughs> I can just imagine you sitting there you're like, I took so much time to plan all this I stuff have- out <laughs> and now all of it is canceled, ruins all my plans. Now what plans do I have? And I even have separate color-coded pens for each type of event and now I just have to cross them all out and it's so terrible. <laughs> it's really bad. Do you use the same color of pen to cross them out too? What do you think the answer is? I should have known, yeah. But I did do something. I invested in some erasable pens, so I don't have to cross everything out. I can erase it. I feel like that... I've, I've seen erasable pens before, but I feel like it's not an efficient way. Like, they can't truly erase pens. Oh, these do. We've come a long way. It's 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, bring my, I'll bring my floral planner next time, and I'll show you, all right, okay? All right, sounds good. All right. I actually might have it in my bag, but... We'll, <laughs> we, we'll we can look at it later. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> 
All right, so back to Sammy Williams. If you haven't checked that out uh, yet, go do so. It's We're recording Wednesday night. Jay released his second installment of Third Down Defense earlier today. Um, and then Connor and I did a podcast revisiting the NCAA run, Elite Eight run of the 2008-2009 women's basketball team. We did that earlier in the week. What else you got, Jared? Uh, Rob Gray has a story on Steve Wartell coming on Thursday, probably around noon. Uh, Steve, hopefully, will start a new draft streak for the Cyclones here this uh, this weekend when the NFL draft is going on. What else do we have coming? Um, I think Connor's going to have a women's basketball recruiting piece. Hopefully, I'll have some more recruiting stuff. Uh, Chris and Brent are going to do a podcast this weekend, I think. I don't know. I think that's, I think that's about it. it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's about it. a lot of stuff it. coming, though. Yeah. And we made a list. Um, do you want to talk about the list we made? Uh, we can. Or do you uh, want to save it? Yeah, I mean, we can talk about it. It's just... Uh, like we haven't done any. Well, I know, work but just with it yet. just talk like generally about what the plan is. Oh yeah, I mean, I think we're we're at a point now where um, we kind of got to do like not get creative, really, but it's like back to the basics, right? We're running out of things to write about and stuff like that, and like we can only be goofy for so long. You know, the recruiting thing. There's obviously a lot of things to do with this, especially basketball recruiting right now, uh, but still, there's like a finite amount of things that you can do. And um, I think we're going to try and get back to the basics, start telling some stories, start trying to reach out to some people uh, and, you know, do some more feature stories and things like that, which, I mean, I, we all know how good Rob is at that. I think you're really good at that as well. Thanks, Jared. You're, you're welcome. Um, I think if Chris can get some time, he would like to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, I would like to do that, too. So, you know, we've put together a, a list of people. Um, if anybody has any ideas. Uh, I can promise you we've probably already thought of them because the list is already pretty expansive, but uh, we're always open to more suggestions. And they don't necessarily have to be your obvious choices. If you have, you know, somebody kind of off yeah. the wall and ha think they have a story, let us know. Yeah. If you think that there's someone out there that might have an interesting story, like that's all we want, you know, and um, that's, that's where I came from with this whole deal is just, uh, you know, sometimes it's like we don't have that much time to uh, tell stories like that. Yeah. And just when you're doing games every week and you know, there's always the next thing and always the next thing. It's like right now there really isn't a next thing. So it's like, all right, what do we have to do? Um, you know, to keep creating content. And I was like, man, we're all going to go back to uh JLMC 201 and, uh, we're all going to come up with some story ideas, come up with, uh, profiles and things like that. And, um, I think it'll be good because we got a lot of talented writers. So. And who doesn't like a good story right now? So. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Especially if we can get some some of the people that we're trying to get. That's right. I think there'll be some good stories in there. I think there. so too. Um, I'm sure that you studied the WNBA draft extensively. So that's the first thing I want to talk about. I know Sabrina went number one. Yes. Okay. So that's, we'll talk about that first. And then I want to talk to you about the last dance. Cause I know you watched it. Yeah. And then I just want to talk really quick at the end about the NFL draft, which okay. mostly I'm just curious about um, how it's going to play out in light of the WNBA draft and how that went. Yeah. So, okay. All right, so you're right. She went first. That was no surprise. Um, I think my biggest, I had a lot of fun watching it, first of all. I sat down and the girls watched it with me. My biggest question mark going into it was how is this all going to work? Because obviously yeah. it was held virtually. And Lisa and I talked about it afterwards and we thought generally it went okay. There were some really awkward pauses just because of the delay. Mm -hmm. And um, some of the, it just seemed like they could have done it more efficiently they pretty much knew who was going to go in the top five. Right. And out, outside of Sabrina, you could have had a fairly good guess. And it seemed like they could have done a better streaming of those. And then any wild cards, obviously, you just roll with it. But, yeah, I mean, you want that instant reaction of a player. Right. And then there's this awkward delay, and you're waiting for a celebration, and you don't see it. But that's just part of where we are right now, I guess. Well, and I think, too, just, I mean, they never had to do anything like that. Uh, yeah, that's you, true. You know, and... I mean, that's where I think, like, the NFL is, like, on some level, they might have an advantage to, they also might have a disadvantage where they've never done anything like this, but they also have so much money that you right. can throw at something like right. that. And uh, more personnel and staff. Like, right. you can throw, you know, 50 interns and say, make sure this works, yeah. where then WNBA just doesn't have that kind of 
resource. Right. And I'm sure ESPN didn't realize how big, I mean, they knew that, you know, obviously WNBA draft is, is a big deal in that sense, but it's like, they probably didn't realize how big of a deal at the end of the day it was going to be. And that's actually a really good point. So it was the most watched draft in 16 years and it averaged 387,000 viewers, um, which was like a 125% increase since last year, which of course it was just because it's the only thing that was going on. Yeah. Um, and, but I feel like generally speaking, it went really well. They started out by honoring uh, Gigi Bryant and her two teammates that were killed in the helicopter accident. Um, and that was a really nice tribute. And then I think the really, the, I'd say the other big story was, well, Oregon had three players chosen in the top 10. Um, but one of them was, uh, Satu Saboli. She went number two and she's a junior. So she decided she was going to leave early, which just doesn't happen for the WNBA very often. Mm -hmm. But I think you can attribute it to the, um, collective bargaining agreement. She's going in knowing that she's going to make, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars when in previous years, you just have no idea. Yeah. And that's actually interesting too, because obviously Sabrina made the decision to come back last year when she would have been number one, even last year. Um, I wondered if that maybe had anything to play into it too. Just knowing like, Your team. I mean, Sabrina knew if she came back, like they're probably going to be number one team in the country, right. which by the end of the season, I think everybody kind of thought it was either them or South Carolina. Right. right. And uh, I'm sure now knowing like you had this transcendent player to play next to you, yeah. it's like, okay, if I have an opportunity to go, maybe I'll just Between go. that and the money and all of the, um, you know, the major advances they made under the CBA, I think at that point, why not just do it? She can always come back to school and right. but she might not have the opportunity to make six figures playing basketball. So, well, yeah, I mean, that's even where, I mean, you're seeing that now with the G league, Yes, you know, yeah. where these kids are, they get an opportunity. And it's, I mean, I can't blame any of them, you know, and I've, I've seen a lot of people that say things, you know, just like losing out on the experience of playing college basketball and stuff like that. I think that people just, they put a lot of weight into that. And I, I just like don't think kids overvalued. care. Yeah. Well, kids don't care. And I mean, if you can, a lot of them don't at least. And if you can set yourself up financially for, I mean, if you do it the right way, mm-hmm. you can come away with some pretty good cash. Well, I mean, like Darius Baisley, the kid that was supposed to go to Syracuse a couple years ago, I mean, he made a million dollars in his first year or something like that. And I don't think he's even come close to playing in the NBA. Right. So it's, why wouldn't you take advantage right. of that? Right. I mean, he had an opportunity to go make a million dollars. I don't care if it came from New Balance or it came from McDonald's. Right. I'd be like, hell yeah, let's do it. Right, right, let's do it. Let's do it. And, you know, that's where I can't blame anybody that um, if they're going to go and take, get their money and, um, you know, we obviously don't know what anybody's family situations are like right. or anything like that. If someone tells you you have an opportunity to make $250,000, got to go and do it, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. And especially with the women's game, there's, you know, the men can go overseas and make some pretty good money. And mm-hmm. I just... I mean, the opportunities just aren't as, I don't know. Well, I guess I'm not entirely sure. I just don't think the opportunities are as available for women overseas. So if she can make it in the WNBA, why not? Right. And I think, I think I got to, like, we got to give the NBA and then obviously the WNBA plays into that as well, uh, some credit because they see, you know, like it's, you can think of it in two different ways. They see what's happening with college athletics right now. Yeah. And they saw an opening where it's like, we can kind of prey on the uncertainty of this system. And obviously there was uncertainty about it anyway before just right. because of all the name, image, and likeness rules and things like that. But um, you see where the economics have become so much more uncertain than maybe they were before. And the NBA is like, all right, it's time for us to pounce. And I saw a report today that they basically want to get as many of these young kids as they can and then create their own division for kids that are under a certain age or something like that. So basically it would be college basketball, but it's not the colleges that are doing it. And man, that's crazy. Yeah. The only thing that I, that I don't know about that is, I mean, there's only like, how many kids are you going to take in a certain year? Yeah. You know, I mean, like that's the deal. Like why, that's why they got rid of the one and they created the one and done rule to begin with was because so many of these kids that were trying to go in the NBA, they just weren't ready to go. I mean, you think about Sebastian Telfair and Travis Outlaw and like some of these random guys out there that uh, tried to make the jump from high school to the NBA. And it just was an epic failure. Uh, You like, I would think they'd have to cap that somehow. You can't just take everybody, you know? Right. That's true. But then I, you know, we keep seeing these reports that let's just take this specific moment, the uh, 
coronavirus yeah. that this could extend into, you know, t- next year or even 2022. And then you think, well, is this going to really impact college athletics for the next three years? And if it does, like worst case scenario, I mean, do we even have college athletics at that point? And, well, yeah. and that's probably what they're prepping for, right? <laughs> yeah. Or I mean, trying I, to prey upon maybe. Yeah, that's what I... They're trying to get some of those top level guys and say like, man, look at the uncertainty right. of the system. Are you really going to try and risk that? Right. You know, and I mean, think about what if they don't have AAU tournaments and things like that. Think about what a recruiting class could be like next year where all of a sudden you don't know anything about any of these kids. Well, I was thinking about this on a very, very I mean, OK, so here's how this started. My daughter, who's four, um, she got a softball glove from the Easter Bunny. And she, she's a very, very feminine girly girl, but she can like, she has a good arm and she can catch and she's like surprisingly coordinated. So you're, you're thinking about how you're going to get her a D1 scholarship. (laughs) I was thinking, well, this really sucks that I can't get her in a T-ball. And then, so that started me thinking like, well, this is going to set back all of those things. Like you just said, like ASA, AAU, all of that stuff is impacted. And I hadn't even really considered that side of it, but it's, that's a, that's a big problem. Well, yeah, I mean, and I think even from the perspective of the coaches, yeah. you know, like they can't go out and evaluate anybody. Right. And obviously, but, and that's where it comes back to, like, if you don't play AAU, okay, then you got to get high school film and all those kinds of things. And then, then you're in the middle of your next season right. trying to evaluate kids for your next recruiting class. And like that, those are just some of the things that we haven't really thought about at this point. And, and that's where it's like, like I said about the NBA, they've got those people that their literal job is to watch kids yeah. you know and i mean it's crazy because if you look at it really there's no other country in the world where the athletics system is set up the same way right. that it is in the united states and the nba has places in africa and india and china that basically they're like basketball academies where the best players will go to this basketball academy and you know like that's how like joel Embiid got discovered and eventually he went from there to uh mount verde and florida right. and um but a lot of them, you know, they'll just play there and they'll learn the game and play against the best kids from all across the country or all across the continent or whatever. And then they'll just go play in the professional league or go play in Europe or something like that. And it makes you wonder, like, are we that far off from a day where the NBA is like, all right, we're going to invest in having, you know, an institution, quote mm-hmm. unquote, or some sort of place that these the best of the best from the country, they go here and they're there for one, two years, and like they can do education and things like that. You'll, they'll pay for you to be getting online courses or something like that, uh, and then you just play basketball, so and you'll travel around the country doing those like things. Like a replacement for the college system. Yeah, but it's just you don't have you know hundreds of them. There's ten. Right. And there's like, and it's just the you know say say if they're there for two years, you take the top fifty kids from each class basically. So then there's a hundred kids. And then you spread them out across the country and try and maybe do it somehow geographically. I don't know. I'm just coming up with this system right. off the top of my head. Right. But uh, <laughs> but that's I could see like I don't think that that's that far fetched if they really wanted to put the money into um, getting kids into their system as early as they could. Yeah. Well, that took a turn I didn't expect. <laughs> Sorry, I <laughs> I didn't anticipate doing that either. <laughs> My bad. No, it's a good thing. I mean, because it's true. And everybody says this every single day, but every, every single day we discover a weird rabbit hole as a, you know, as a consequence of this crazy pandemic that we didn't anticipate. So. Right. Well, and it's, it's interesting to me too, because I, and I think that this is, it becomes more and more clear, especially when you look at the way Iowa State has been, I mean, really for like the last 10 years, but specifically the last couple, you know, at the end of the day, people like they don't cheer for Iowa State because of Lindell Wigginton. They don't cheer yeah. for Iowa State because of Tyrese Halpern. Like, they cheer for Iowa State because it's Iowa State. And obviously, some people who maybe didn't go to school there or something like that, they got the connection to Iowa State because of someone that they watched. Like, you know, I was a big Gonzaga fan back in the day because I liked Adam Morrison. Right. Or, uh, you know, someone maybe could be could have been an LSU fan because they like Glenn Big Baby Davis or something like that. Just, like, random things, you know? And uh, But they're, like those people come and go. And at the end of the day, like they're still going to keep rooting for Iowa state. Well, how would that change? You know, if all of a sudden this does happen where some of the best players are going to, um, you know, to go and play in the G league or whatever, whatever. some new system or something like that. uh, How many people out there that maybe are a casual college basketball fan, all of a sudden they just, 
stop. Stop because the basketball maybe isn't what they're used to, or maybe it would even go back to being closer to what people were used to in the past, where the best players are just going to the play professionally. And it might also create some equality that might make, you know, some of the blue bloods yeah. fade away. And maybe that wouldn't be the worst thing ever. Well, yeah, I think it would probably create some parity yeah. on some level. I mean, just where you're not getting like transcendent talents. Kentucky's not getting seven transcendent talents in a recruiting right. class or something like that. Uh, and they start, they still might be Kentucky or it still Duke right. might still be Duke, but maybe not to the same extreme. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like the people that love college basketball, they love their university or whatever. They're the still gonna, Yeah. They're still going to love college basketball, but I do think that there would be an element of people that they're going to be like, okay, this is my new thing. You know, Which, I love following this and it's the development and like, and it would make the G league be an exponentially bigger deal than what it is right now. And at, Iowa State may not hurt so much from that because the people, like you said earlier, the Iowa State fans are the Iowa State fans. And, but you, with, you know, like the Dukes or the Kentuckyers or those banner names, a lot of those fans are not tied to the university. They're yeah. tied to the success. And so you're right. That might be a, a bigger issue, but they also aren't hurting for cash either. Right. Well, and, and it would be interesting just to watch. I mean, does it level the playing field on recruiting or does it basically just knock it back? You know, yeah. where, I mean, I think in a perfect world, obviously you would have an idea of which kids are going to be going to do this thing. Especially if it's the, truly that high level. Yeah. Talent. Early, you would have an idea like, okay, this is kind of the cutoff right. and you know, we're not going to try and even put it, resources into recruiting that kid. It's like LeBron know. James. Right. Like imagine being the coach that. who's like, oh, I'm going to go and recruit, <laughs> recruit LeBron James. Good luck, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I, if an assistant said that I'd, and I was a head coach, I'd be like, no. Nah. <laughs> I think we're going to allocate your time elsewhere, buddy. I I think we can do a little bit better with uh, spending our time else in in a different way. But, uh, but that's what I'm saying. So then, you know, a school like Duke or a school like Kentucky, a school like Kansas, they look at that list and they're like, all right, well, we're not going to be able to get the number one guy. Well, we're going to have to get the number one guy of everybody else. else. So then that's like whoever would have been 50th before 30th or whatever. So it may end up being the same. Yeah. So then it like kind of trickles down to where then, you know, maybe like those kids would, would still look at other schools, but it's like, I feel like at the same, at the same time, it might if, end up similar. But if the talent, if you cut off that top tier of talent, are the kids more in the middle, you know, just that more average. And so it becomes less of a advantage to, you know, is suddenly number 50, the top yeah. 50th recruit that far off from the 74th recruit in the nation. I don't know. Right, well, yeah. I mean, I think that's probably a good point because I, I really think like, I, this is especially true with football, but, um, you know, with basketball, I think you can even make the same case. If you look at it, like after you get past like the top, I don't know, probably hundred. Yeah. I mean, one Oh one through whatever. Well, right. And at that point that becomes more of a fit issue and a character issue than a a true talent issue. Right. I mean, all those kids probably have talent. Like who saw them, you know, like what, those a, are the diamond team did in they the rough play kids. for? Yeah, right. I mean Tyrese Halberton. Like, who saw Tyrese Halberton? Who saw George Condit? Right. You know, neither one of them was really super highly touted on the rankings and things like that. I, I know that Tyrese jumped up a lot late, uh, but there's going to be hit hits and misses regardless. Uh, but I feel like it's probably pretty even. I mean, I'm sure there's been studies and things like that done. But it's just like in football. Like you see a kid on football that. It, you know, he's the 133rd ranked player in the state of Florida. Right. Well, okay. If he was in Iowa, he'd probably be like 10th. Right. You know, and right. that's not a knock on the talent in the state of Iowa. It's just reality that there's way more people. There's way more people who play football. And, uh, and that's what, I don't know. It would be interesting to see. And I think it'll be interesting to follow here in the next couple of years. And it would, it would make me wonder too, like if that happens, you know, does someone maybe pony up to spend more, on G League rights or uh, to put those kinds of things on TV. I'm sure. And some of those resources are allocated away from the NCAA. And, 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 you know, like does Nike and Adidas, do they stop paying as much attention to the colleges? Because they're like, well, the best players are over here and we can sign all of them to endorsement deals. Why do we need to worry about you anymore? And then you throw the name image likeness stuff on top of that. And we just, it's a cluster. Well, and really that actually would almost maybe even negate some of it, you know? Cause it's like, I mean, like George Niang could make money in Ames when he could have made money in Ames when he was in school, Yes, you know? But I mean, I think that we need to be realistic on some sense too. Like Solomon Young's not going to go and sign a $10,000 deal with 
Wilson Toyota or something like that to be in a Wilson Toyota commercial. Yeah. I think that's just, in my mind, that's just being realistic, you know? And if Solomon can, then he's got a better agent than I do. And, <laughs> and good for him. Yeah, and good for him. I'm happy for him. But uh, but there's like, there's going to be a top tier of guys that can that can do that, you know? And if you take away some of those guys that are, are coming into colleges and things like that, like, I mean, you might take some of those, or it might make it, to where those opportunities just aren't going to be as readily available, where there's not going to be those big names the same way. Yeah, except I feel like, and George is a really, George Yang is a good example because his is more of a just character issue. Like yeah. everybody loves George. And there's not always, issue, it's a positive, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah sorry. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mean it character that way. Character situation, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and so there's always going to be those fan favorites that can probably ink a deal. It's, I mean it's not going to be life-changing, right. but well, and it makes you wonder like how many would more kids just stay for four years, three or four years. Yeah. And if you stay for those three or four years, that's when I think those opportunities I think so would, too. would open up more. It's not the kids that are going to be there for one I year, totally two years. That. Uh, but I mean, you look around the country, like there's just, isn't that many kids that stay for four years that become big Superstars. names. Yeah. Big name guys. Like a lot of the guys that stay for four years are at mid majors or, yeah. uh, or like smaller power five programs. And, you know, who knows? It's like, that's where I just say like the name, image and likeness thing. I think it's good because it opens the door to something that, that needs to be there. But at the same time, it's like, can we sit here and act like it's going to be this like major boon for college athletic or college athletes? Cause I, I don't know. I mean, how many places do we really know are going to be willing to spend the money with college kids? Well, especially right now. Well, too. yeah. I mean, especially right now. Yeah. I was just saying in, yeah, general. in general. Yeah. It's just funny uh, because what, like three months ago, this was the biggest story. Oh yeah. And now we don't even like, that's the first time I've thought about it since yeah. the middle of last month. And it's just, and it, it should, it should have taken a backseat, but it's just completely off of our radars right now. Well, and that just goes to show you how fluid things are right yeah. now. I mean, even the transfer thing. Yeah. Like that's a rule that's going to be changing very soon. And I mean, you know, I think about it because it's like I just work under the assumption right now that any college basketball player that's transferring probably is going to be eligible. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like that has not hardly been discussed at the same level that it would have been before. I mean, it would have been the top story. Yeah. And I, the other thing about that is we've hashed and rehashed it so much for like the last three years. And there's obviously the people that are very staunch one way or the other. The, yeah. You're, right. you're pretty hard set one way or the other. And Chris and I had that conversation one day where we were, when we were in here and I know that he's not really for it, but, uh, I mean, it's just one of those things that I'm like, man, just let the kids do what they want to do. Right. And, uh, and George know. and Chris talked about it too on their podcast and <laughs> George is just wonderful. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> I, and I thought George was right. Him. I mean, yeah. I, I and he feels really strongly about it and I get it. Yeah. He's been there, you know, he's lived through that and watched his friends go through that. So, I mean, He's, he has a different perspective than we do. Yeah. And it's just, I think we got to remember, like, these are people, you know, and that's what I get tired of sometimes. And I'm not saying everybody's like this, but so much we act, we like, we talk about these kids, like they're just cogs. Yeah. They're just cogs in the machine. And it's like, oh, so bad for college basketball and things like what if it's not the right thing for that kid's life though? Right. And George talked about that too. And just, you don't know what anybody's family. and you mentioned it earlier, you, you have no idea what anybody's family situation is or what factors might play into it. Yeah. I don't know. What if we, what if we listen back to this podcast in like two years and we predicted everything that's going to happen? If, uh, and by we, I mean mostly you. If the NBA comes out with all of those kinds of things and I want my cut and I want my job <laughs> at this, at the Midwest office. I think that's fair. Maybe we should send this to somebody. Yeah. I, I'll try and get it to Adam Silver. <laughs> okay. And then luck. he can, uh, he can put me in on the, uh, in, implement, implementation, uh, you can be staff. the head. You can yeah. Be the there chief. we go. I'll, I'll head it up and, uh, we'll base it in Des Moines. Um, and here, we'll just, just right here in this office. Right. Yes, exactly. Uh, and then we'll just start having kids from Omaha and Minneapolis and Kansas city. And this actually would be a perfect place for one. Like now that I really think about it, yeah, man, like Adam Silver hit me up. Yeah. Des Moines is the hub. It's the heartland of the NBA. You guys can't see him, but he's doing fist bumps right when, now. When you think the NBA, you think Des Moines, Iowa. I know I do. Yeah. <laughs> we'll build the facility right out North of Ankeny. There's, there's land out there just waiting for it. Right. Oh my gosh. I just, I feel like I just had a epiphany, a, a wonderful idea. <laughs> All of the, you know, because Omaha, Minneapolis is a little bit more Chicago, uh, and Kansas city, like the NBA factory towns that they are Des Moines, obviously, uh, you know, 
we got to get it done. This is where it belongs. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, Adam, call us. <laughs> yeah, hit, hit me up. Kamesh. <laughs> Do we need to take a break? Uh, we can just keep going. All right, I'll we'll put it in going. here somewhere. Okay. Yeah. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. So I feel like we, uh, you know, sufficiently talked about the WNBA draft and then a lot of other things. Yeah. So do you want to talk about The Last Dance? Sure. Okay. So I was wondering, obviously you watched it. Obviously you appreciate Michael Jordan, but do you, I mean, you were not old enough to recall this, Uh, right? I was three years old when Michael played his last game with the Chicago Bulls. So I, this era was right around the time I start having sports memories. And so I remember it vaguely, but not any of the details. Mm -hmm. So it was awesome to watch because I felt like some of it I was watching for the first time. Did you have the same experience? Or I mean, Maybe not. Maybe you've been more into it than I have. No, yeah. I mean, I, I, there were definitely, like, there was elements of it that, uh, you know, I hadn't seen before. And, right. like, I didn't know a lot of the stuff about Scottie Pippen. Like, yeah. And, uh, but, with like, with Michael, I've read so many books about Michael. Like yeah. You read, I've read the Jordan rules. And, you know, I've read, I've watched so many old games. You know, I've watched the games that he played at the Boston Garden where he scored 60 points. And um, that's where... Like those things were not new to me. Right. And I heard Chris and Ross talking on the radio one day where they're talking about um, like the new perspective for people that are my age that didn't really get to see Michael play. And obviously I didn't watch Michael play night to night, but I've seen a lot of time, like I've seen a lot of games that Michael played in. Uh, So it's like, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I've watched Michael Jordan. I know what Michael Jordan was like as a player. Right. And that's kind of how I feel too. Like I, I knew that part of it. It was just some of the backstory that I never I was just too little to care you know yeah well I never realized like I I didn't realize how vilified Jerry Krause was well I didn't either and that (laughs) what the hell was he doing well yeah I mean now you look at it and you're like dude this guy was a complete idiot I mean just I I hope they answer some of that in terms of his state of mind and Mm -hmm. what he and or if it was just pure power well I mean the unfortunate thing is that I think Jerry died about three years, yes. three, three and a half years yep. ago. See, and that's what I was saying. I remember when Jerry Krause died. I remember, I can't remember if he was on Woj's podcast or he, they had recorded one and then he passed away shortly after. But I remember listening to that and thinking like Woj is making this guy sound, you know, pretty awesome, which obviously he did some really good things. Like there, there were some very notable bad things that he did, but yeah. he still did like, he was able to get Scottie Pippen and he did, you know, he was able to put that put the team, pieces together. Yeah, he, he didn't get Michael, but he put the pieces around Michael. Right. And that's where like, I think he, he does deserve some level of credit. And I know that they were assholes to him, but, uh, but I was listening to that. I remember listening to that podcast and just being like, man, like, and then seeing this, I'm like, man, this is not exactly what I thought the no. view of Jerry Krause was. Yeah. And so I wonder if we'll get more of that as it goes along, but right now it's not I, great for him. I would like to know how Michael feels about it now. How does yes. he feel about the way that he, he treated acted? Him? Yeah. And like, I mean, that was hard to watch. Well, yeah. And it was embarrassing. And, and I know where Michael talked about him, like being an asshole and things like that, but like being, I mean, there's things that are said in basketball in the heat of moment and stuff like that between your opponent or your teammates and like your coaches or whatever it may be. So I was never going to walk away from that thinking he was an asshole. I think that he's a competitor and right. like you can be a competitive asshole. Yes. But in those scenarios, he was literally being an asshole and he was be- a bully. Too. Yeah. 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 And it's just, just like you're mean being mean for the sake of being. Yeah. Right. You're being mean. Yeah. And that's what I would like to know what he thinks of that now where it's like, does he feel bad about that? And I know that it's like, there were a lot of things going on and you feel betrayed by Jerry Krause. Right. But at the same time, it's like, you're a grown ass man. Why are you making fun of people's height and their weight and things like that? Like, that's just stupid. If you're going to be mean to him, be mean to him about the stuff he deserves. I guess. Yeah. I didn't like that part of it, but. And and that's where I do give 
I mean, I think they'll talk about it more, but like where with Scotty, like Scotty's just talking about trading me right. and like and or trading him and uh, you know his contract and things like that. And it's like it's perfectly fine to yeah, that's be on mad the table, about that. right? Yeah, that's perfectly fine. But like when you start like getting personal and just like making fun of someone as a human being, that's where I'm like, dude, like you're a grown ass man. How insecure are you that you're sitting here making fun of someone's height as a grown ass man? Yeah, I didn't. That was hard to watch. And like, that's like I said, I would be interested to, I'm interested to hear how they talk to Michael about that because I'm sure that there are things that he, I think from what I know about this documentary, I would be surprised if he did not want them to ask that because almost because it's like he wants to be able to put it out there on the table now that he feels bad about it. And then I wondered too, because he comes into the Bulls and he talks about how clean he is and you know, at that point he's a kid, so I get mm-hmm. it. But I would like to know at what point did that uh, switch flip for him where he's this clean, I just want to keep my nose clean and work hard to I'm going to be an asshole. Yeah. And like, he just seemed like a genuinely like good kid. Yes, which, I agree. I mean, and everybody knows, we know a lot more about Michael Jordan now than right. we did. And he's a different, like he, there's somewhere in that six years or so, you know, to where eventually when he, um, when he retires briefly, where there's a lot of rumors about things that happened. And I'm not saying that he was forced out of the league and he was suspended or anything like that because of his gambling or anything. But there's a lot of things that are out there about Michael Jordan. And um, it's like, when did that flip? Right. You know, when did that switch flip? And I'm sure he'll be honest about it as long as they're at, as, he's, as long as he's asked about I know, it. and I want them to ask. And there were things- They have but to. They have to. And it, I, like, it was two parts of a 10-part series, but yeah. I'm anxious about it and I'm eager about it because I just there's a lot of questions that we all want answered. I mean, the story to me will lose a lot of credibility if those questions I are totally not asked. I totally agree. And, and like, that's just, at that point, then you sit there and you're like, man, this is basically a Michael Jordan fluff piece. And I don't think it can be that. And I don't think they want it to be that. I don't think no. he wants it to be that. So no. I don't know. Um, the one of my favorite lines from the entire thing was when he was asked about the transition from college to the NBA and he's like, Oh, it's really not that hard. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Sean Roberts tweeted something about like, imagine how we would destroy a kid now oh, for yeah. saying something like that. <laughs> Just completely vilify a kid. Well, when he said it, it was like, well, oh, he's not, I mean, he's telling the truth. Yeah. Well, when you start going out there and playing like he did, I, I mean, I, the only person that I can remember, I mean, that I think in my lifetime that came in the NBA and was like that, immediate it's just like damn this dude is something else yeah. was lebron james yeah. i and mean that's why they're the always the two in the conversation yeah and i, I don't mean that to make a comparison no, i just think right that it's like in my lifetime there's only been one guy that i've ever seen that the second as an 18 19 20 year old he walked on the court and you felt like holy cow this dude is going to be something else right and that was him yeah and um obviously there are other guys that have like come into the league and kind of taken the league by storm but they, it was all like flashes. And with LeBron, it was like every night. Yeah. I mean, I think the only other one now that I could say was even remotely close is Zion. And yeah. that was because of what he was able to do. Like that first night where he comes in and it's like, oh, he's going to hit all these threes and bring his team back into the game and stuff like that. Then you're like, man, this kid's something else. And uh, yeah, I mean, we would definitely vilify Zion Williamson if he came in and was <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's uh, I mean, it's pretty easy, actually. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like uh, the 20, uh, 2019 North Carolina team was better than this. Like that game that I played against Central Florida in the NCAA tournament, it was way easier or, or way more difficult. Taco Fall and uh, Johnny Dawkins' son and all this stuff, like they were way better than. It's just kind of funny how, you NBA know, players. Michael Jordan says, and he's not wrong. He What he said was accurate, but he says it and we're all like, that's awesome. And now, now we just destroy someone. My other favorite thing was Roy Williams when uh, he said Michael Jordan was the only guy who could ever turn it on and off, and he never freaking turned it off. <laughs> and the way he said freaking. Yeah, it is. I saw someone say like Roy Williams is the only one who could ever make uh, freaking into a naughty right, word. <laughs> right, like making swearing uh, or not swearing, but using like a replacement word sound really, really oh, cool. He made it so sound funny. really cool. And I was just like, damn, okay, Roy. I, I feel you right now. It was so fun watching that and feeling like you were watching it with everybody at the same time. Mm-hmm. It was, I don't know. I think we all needed that. It was like a collective hug for everybody. At the same time, I will say that if it they had put out all 10 hours. You would have watched it? I would, my ass would have sat up and watched all 10 hours until six o'clock in the morning yeah. that night. Because, I mean, I, I know Ross said this on the radio, but like that was 10 out of 10. That yeah. was as, as high level of uh, two hours of TV, sports documentary TV as I've ever seen. And if the next eight hours can get to that, which I would imagine that they will because a lot of the people who have seen them say that the next 
there's moments in the next eight that are better than what we've seen now. Um, you know, I tweeted this on Sunday night. Like, we got to figure out a way to get this thing an Academy Award because I don't think we will have ever seen anything like it. I think that's true, which is pretty incredible, and it couldn't have come at a better time. Yeah, and like the OJ one was incredible because you had the depth of it and the number of we'd never seen anything like that where it's like that long, you know, and there was so much information. But this is all like raw footage. There's no narrator. There's no anyone who's guiding the story. It's just the story. And that's why I think so impressive about it. Um, d- yeah. And I think the, this, the subject matter of the OJ one just is a whole different tone too. I mean, that's a whole, I mean, this is so much, and I, I recognize we're going to get off the court stuff too, but this is so f- basketball focused too, that it just makes it a different, different yeah. animal. Right. It's, it's just the subject content's not near as heavy, Yes. you know, and it just, it was so, it's not so divisive either. Well, yeah. And so much of what it was about was so long ago. You yeah. know, I mean, obviously it's about the court case and that kind of stuff, but where you, when they're talking about what made OJ the way he was, a lot of those things don't, I mean, now OJ Simpson's funny. Like I'm just, I'm just gonna be honest. Like the way that he acts to me is hilarious because it's like, he's so unself-aware that it's on some level, it's really sad to me. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, dude, this guy is a clown and I straight clown and he plays into it, I think. And like where you, the way you see him act on Twitter and things like that. And I'm like, this dude does not realize that he's legitimately possibly the most infamous criminal in the history of the United States. Allegedly the most (laughs) infamous criminal in the history of the United States. Uh, Right. Potentially. I'm not trying to get myself sued, Uh, but I'm sure he's a big fan of this podcast. Right. But he just like he just goes about his life the same way. Like it's no big deal. And, uh, like with Michael, like everybody's still, um, he is still idolized and he's relevant. And it's like, I, that's where he talked about people calling him an asshole and things like that. And I'm like, but I don't think that there's anything that he can do that will ever make people look at him in a truly negative light. I agree with that. And that's where, like, that's why I think this is so interesting is just because it's like, if you get people telling the truth, you know, it's a hero, a guy that Mike Wilbon says, like, no one else, Muhammad Ali and somebody else, like, even Muhammad Ali has things that you can sit and knock his armor off with. I don't know that there's anything that you can knock Michael Jordan's armor off with. And if there is, we're going to find out. And I would imagine in the next eight episodes. And even then, like, what would it... I, well, um, right. He'd have to kill somebody. And, I don't know. And as far as I know, he hasn't. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, and if he does, it's going to be quite the bombshell. But Well, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, unless Michael Jordan killed someone or did something truly, truly, truly terrible, I I don't know what it possibly could be. Yeah, I think you're right. He's still going to be the most idolized athlete in probably the history of the world. I think that's true. How much How much uh, old Bulls gear did you look up afterwards? Uh, none. I really I had a repeat three-peat shirt for a really long time I tried to find that yeah we tried to look for that that one day we went down an Etsy rabbit hole yeah no I um I'm shocked by this I thought for sure you I did why would I like I I'd not been buying new things to wear because like where would I wear them then I just sit there and look at them and I'm like man I really want to wear that but I don't know I, I, was just been, didn't, I just thought maybe the nostalgia of it would inspire yeah. you well it's I never, I, asked, I never was like a Bulls fan because I didn't. Yeah, that's fair. You know, I asked Chris if he had a, if he had a Bulls starter jacket, and he he said he did. Oh, of absolutely, he did. yeah. I had a uh, Portland Trailblazers starter jacket. That's a good one. That was the Jailblazers, though. Like right in Rasheed Wallace, <laughs> uh, Rasheed Wallace, Bonzi Wells, uh, man, that whole crew, Damon Stoudemire, Scotty Pippen, man, that was a. Hell so was the jacket black with the red and white accents? Okay, yeah. yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. The other one that's in my head is the um the Hornets one, the bright blue. Yep, that's yeah. the that is the true classic. Yeah, that's I think that's the one that I immediately go to when my when I think about it. I didn't and, have one. Uh, and like why? Why do people think so much about the Charlotte Hornets? I because I've they, never because understood the jacket that. looked cool. I don't know. Oh, that's absolutely what it is. They right. have by far or had by far the best colors, the coolest uniforms. Like they were the, flashy. Yeah, and like you had Larry Johnson and Muggsy Bowe but like and they were solid like they were solid teams but like no one you know nobody out here across the country is like man i love the charlotte hornets right but you're like oh that charlotte hornet starter jacket oh i'm all in on that put that on my christmas list yeah exactly (laughs) exactly a huge larry johnson fan now (laughs) 
Yeah, I never had one. I feel like I missed out in childhood, but whatever. We could go down a whole rabbit hole of things that I've missed out on. Actually, Jared and I did before we got on the yeah. start recording. I want to get a Sean Bradley jersey before they talk about Space Jam on this thing. Why before? I mean, just so that I can wear it when they talk about Space Jam <laughs> and why Sean Bradley was in Space Jam. Hopefully so you, they'll cover that. I, if they don't, then I'll be upset. So you just want to wear it in your apartment by yourself as you watch. Yeah. But think about it. Like the, of the people that are in that movie, uh, you know, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing. Yeah, you're right. Larry Johnson. I have no idea. Uh, Muggsy Bogues and Sean Bradley. That's a great point. It's like, Listen, why? That, if we don't get that answered in this in the remaining eight episodes, it's a failure. And I'll also say the Monstars were the most, they bought into the 90s style of basketball way too heavily. I mean, they obviously had a very decided height advantage, but they did way too much trying to attack the rim. They should have worked the numbers, maybe got some three-point shooters. You know shooters. what you could do? You could write about that. They had two centers and a power forward on their in their starting five and a guy who Larry Johnson was like a slash, you know, power you forward. Need, and you need to sit down. Clearly you've thought about this. No, I literally had not thought about <laughs> well, this until right you now. Need to yeah. Sit down and write about it. People would read it. I wonder what the rebounding margin was in that game. Cause it probably was not very close. <laughs> you should sit down and rewatch. Uh, I'm sure someone has already done this. <laughs> well, then someone's done the work for you. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm like. If LeBron had to play that iteration of the monsters again, they would destroy them. Cause just based on pure mathematics, <laughs> Because that's the core of Space Jam, well, the like, pure mathematics. I would like to think that Bugs and, uh, and, and all the other Looney Tunes have been working on their three-point shot ever since they've seen you know, the evolution of basketball, knowing that if they got to shoot over people, then they can do it. You know? I think you've thought too much about this already. I mean, the, like basketball's never been better for the little guy. You know? And the, the Looney Tunes are like a foot tall. <laughs> like quite literally the little guy. Exactly. <laughs> And now all of a sudden you're going to tell them that they got to go against all these big dudes. Pfft, game over. End of uh, rant. End of rant. I'm done. <laughs> all right. Do you want to, I just want to talk about the NFL draft really quick because okay. obviously this, our, this podcast will drop the morning of the first night of the draft, but are you, are you excited for it or do you think it's going to be weird? Yeah, no, I couldn't care less. Do you care normally though? Uh, no, not really. Okay. I well, mean like a little bit, I'll watch it. Uh, but I mean, so often, like, you just already know, like, what's yeah. going to happen. And I feel this like is maybe a little different than part that, Part of though. the fun to watch it is the theatrics of it. You know, the booing, the fan reaction. It's just, you know, it's over-the-top ridiculous. And all of that being gone, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to watch because it's the same thing with the WNBA draft. Yeah. There's nothing else on, and why not? But Well, and there's just something about it when, you know, the dun dun dun, dun yes. like that music, and I'm just like, oh, yes, let's get it. So, like, know. right when it starts, I'm hyped up. You got Mel Kuyper, you got Todd McShay You got Mel up there. Kuyper just going insane. Yeah, like, Mel Kuyper's up there telling us about this guy that st he started three years on the defensive line at Valdosta State. He had, he had uh, 22 tackles for loss last so, season. The 2017 draft was on a couple nights ago, or maybe it was last night, and he was so hammed up at the beginning, and the guys were like, you gotta calm down. <laughs> right. I, I don't know what Mel Kuyper does backstage before the NFL draft starts, but man, it is, what, he's got to be doing something. Whatever it is, I need some. I, no, no, I don't know about that. <laughs> okay. So here's what I read, um, which we all know, but it was more specifics about how they're going to do it. So you, they orchestrate the, uh, the draft from their home offices mm -hmm. and then each team's designated drafter is logged into the league's Microsoft team's private and encrypted draft channel. And then they make the pick through the portal. And then as a backup plan, each league's vice president or player personnel can make the pick that way. And there's also a muted conference call where the club official can unmute his or her line and announce the selection. What could go wrong? Well, have you heard about how the mock draft went? No. Yeah. yeah they did like a practice run and it was just a complete disaster. <laughs> they didn't have enough bandwidth. And like, oh you, my gosh. they said you could hear people like GMs in the background, like yelling at their kids to get off the Wi-Fi. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, I did see that story. I mean, it's okay. apparently just, that's what I'm saying. This could be a complete and total disaster. Which could be great to watch. Right. I mean, there's just so many people involved. I know. But the NFL draft takes forever anyway. Yeah. I mean, an unnecessary amount of time. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, we've got technical difficulties. Uh, yeah. The, and this, I can already promise you, this is going to happen to the Vikings. The <laughs> The Vikings are not going to get their first pick in. I already can tell this is going to happen because... Chris, get your nut cup ready. Because Rick Spielman's <laughs> internet went out at the wrong time. He couldn't call in the pick. Okay, but that's actually... What happens if something... Free, like, what if there's a technical and you, the, the that, clock runs? I don't know. Do we know? Like, I mean, and it's not like... Uh, and the, I realize the, the problem, I think, would come into play, especially if it's the Vikings, 
the people at the NFL, they'd be like, well, it's not like this hasn't happened before. They're gonna, that's exactly, that's very Vikings of the Vikings. Yeah, they're like, it makes sense if this is gonna happen to anyone, it's definitely the Vikings. But uh, uh, they're gonna like miss out on just getting- Vikings themselves. Yeah, they're gonna miss out on getting AJ Epinesa or something because they couldn't. Rick Spielman's uh, son, JD, got on to play- <laughs> playing uh, right, the show. Yeah, he got on to play, uh, you know, Fortnite or something. Fortnite. And uh, all of a sudden he couldn't get the pick in anymore. Yeah, it's, I mean, they from the paragraph that I just read, they clearly have a couple of things in place as backup plans, but what happens if all the backup plans fail? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to get some popcorn and watch because something will go wrong. Yeah. It's inevitable. And, and I mean, who's going to like host the whole thing? You know, I mean, are they going to have like a whole panel of people on zoom and then you got Roger Goodell coming in and uh, I don't know. Did you see what, uh, so pardon my take with the, the guys from pardon my yeah. take were really worked up about the fact they won't be able to boo Roger Goodell. I mean, that's one of my favorite parts. Right. So, so yeah. they, they were going to do a thing where they created a Zoom and you can only invite 100 people to a Zoom. So they were going to invite 100 people and then all those 100 people need to start their own Zoom and invite 100 people. And then they were going to all boo. Obviously, that's, Roger Goodell wouldn't be able to hear them. But, but that's, we can. That's right. But we can. And that's, that's the only that's thing. That's pretty awesome. just to get all these. And I think Big Cat was like, yeah, if we get 100 people to get 100 people, that's a million. And I don't think that that's true, but <laughs> the math uh, might be a little right, off right there. Not, you know, not a saber metrics podcast, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's okay. I'm not, not a math guy either. So I mean, in, in we my, understand his logic, right? In my mind, when he said it, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. But I know that that's not true. <laughs> but the point is we get what he's saying yeah. and it could be really entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I respect their hustle to, uh, to try and get the thing done. Well, whatever. We'll watch what happens. Hopefully, like you said, uh, we have another, a new streak started for Iowa state, but yeah. we'll see. It'll probably be Saturday. 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 Yeah. Does it not go till Sunday anymore? No, it does. You're right. Yeah. Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. It'll be one of the, the, latter the very days. last rounds. The fact that they've stretched this thing out over four days just makes it even stupider. I mean, well, especially now when it's in the platform, it's going to be, well, yeah. Like just do the whole thing. Right. It, there's not going to be any there's the no theatrics. reason for it. No, right. no. It's only so that ESPN can get primetime stuff on Thursday and Friday. That's right. Really? That's true. All right. All right. You do anything fun in uh, quarantine? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I hit a cake from my kids. I really wanted a cake. So I hid it in the cupboard so I could eat it all to myself. That was my high. <laughs> That was the high point for me. I, I'm really happy for you. Or, I mean, potentially my low. I guess we'll see. Time will tell. Well, I mean, they didn't pay for it. <laughs> no, they did not. I worked hard for that $7 high V cake. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's, I mean, what they don't know won't hurt them. That's what I'd say. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for sitting in. It was nice. Yeah, for sure. Sorry I hijacked the whole thing and started no, throwing awesome. out my crackpot ideas. Well, when Adam Silver calls, tell him I said hi. All right. Hopefully, Elise will be back in a couple of weeks. But till then, go Cyclones.